The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Was a little loud over there. Yeah, AT might be a tad deaf. Got no one touched us since uh, since then. <laughs> Got to adjust your volume. <laughs> Full court press here on 106.9 The Fan. Thanks for being here with us on a Monday. 435-339-0321 if you want to weigh in on the events over this past weekend. Very busy weekend when you consider Utah State basketball, Utah Jazz basketball, and some high school basketball. NFL playoffs. So, uh, and tonight we've got the college football championship, Ohio State and Alabama. So, a lot of things to get through today here, AJ, and um, love to get your comments, your questions about the events over the past weekend. But before we do that, how was your weekend? Was it good? <laughs> it was all right. Like last week just felt like a really long, exhausting. And I'm telling you, like, nothing went wrong. Nothing went right. I mean, a basket of laundry knocked me back down the stairs. I, I think I told you that story. And I, I, I spilt my, uh, I spilt apples and slipped on it. I just, I mean, it was just a rough week. How was that? How was your uh, weekend though? You got a chance to get away, throw the phone out the door for a little bit until I bothered you. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was good, relaxing. A chance to get away for just a little bit. Didn't, get, didn't hey, go too far. So let me ask you, like, when you go away, like when the wife takes you out or you take the wife out and you guys get out like on a little weekend getaway, do you set the phone aside? I mean, because your job is heavily involved with phone calls and texts and annoyances of all sorts. Are you able to like put the phone in another room and just hang out and relax or do you? Uh, not exactly. I mean, I was... I was able to relax. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, still had. You, do you? I mean, I still the had the phone still going and the off the hook. Yeah, going, yeah. So. I got you. I got you. Yeah. That's nice, though. I'm glad you're able to. So get it, was out a, of it was a working weekend. Working. Getting hey, things done up? while I was away. What's I wasn't up with this? Uh, really playing hooky. What's up with this little short answer stuff, man? I'm like trying to hit you, like, and you'll. Uh, what's it called? You ha ha it or like it? And I'm like, come on, give me something here. <laughs> I'm your BFFL. We can talk. <laughs> I love the part of, am I in the doghouse? Ha <laughs> ha. Homer Simpson gif. I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. Give me something here, Eric. I'm on everybody's S list in the last five days. It's incredible. I've uh, I've done something that I think very few people have been able to do. Take off everybody. <laughs> I just say that just sounds like a normal Tuesday Oh, no, man. everything's good. Everything's good. Uh, it was a very busy weekend. You know, Utah State picks up some nice wins. Again. Dominating performance. But, it, again, it's against the – they've dominated the very bottom – not just the very bottom of the Mountain West. They've dominated the bottom of college basketball. So do you look forward to this Thursday and Saturday against quality opponent rematch of the 2000 2000- – uh, 19 in the 2020 Mountain West Conference Championship. I know there's no Malachi Flynn. I know there's no Sam Merrill. Um, but I mean Mitchell's still there. He's an eighth year super senior. Keta. Uh, I think Marco Anthony in this gig. I'm really looking forward to watching Raleigh Wooster. I got a feeling Wooster's going to come alive in this thing. I think this might be a, a showcase for Raleigh. 
on a Thursday and Saturday. Not to make it a personal agenda, but just that he gets, you know, just some looks and he hits some shots and gets some rhythm. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a very different scenario this week than what we've enjoyed these last several <laughs> here in the Mountain West. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that being said, this is a San Diego State team that got pushed against Colorado State. They lost a game against the Rams. Uh, Nevada pushed them. Those games were all close. They beat Nevada 65-60 to and then 69-67. to Those games were down to the wire. So this, this Aztec team is good, but they are vulnerable. That's uh, a good point. But I think Utah State and its fans, we need to be careful that uh, just because of what we've seen in these point uh, differentials in these last few games, uh, don't get overly... Uh, excited! Don't get too far ahead of yourselves. Really, this Utah State team is just because look who they've played. Look, San Jose State is three hundred and thirty-seven in the net rankings. There are very few teams worse than San Jose. <laughs> Their best player just quit. <laughs> New Mexico is three hundred eight. I feel bad for them. So there are when you've got two teams in the the you know three hundred or less, or I guess three hundred or higher actually three hundred or higher in the net rankings. That's bad it's really bad but so again is they it, did I mean, what they were supposed to do exactly so like Boise State struggled a little bit with Air Force last weekend uh I mean Air Force was shooting 65 percent in the second half like they just couldn't miss and then finally Boise was able to pull away and get the win there um but you're right they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do and it's blow every team out um I but again there's a lot of matchups I'm looking forward to this weekend I I mean that backcourt of San Diego State is really good. I'm, I'm interested to see how Marco Anthony does, how Raleigh does, and of course, Keta against, uh, is it Mensa? Mensa? Mensaya? I can't remember his name. The big man who was actually out for the Mountain West Conference Championship, I believe. Uh, he's back for uh, this Thursday and Saturday's go-round. By the way, announcement from Utah State, that game on Saturday has been moved from 11 to 11.30 a.m. now. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so it's, it's a, a half hour later. And then next Saturday's game against Colorado State is a uh, is a 9 p.m. start. That we go from a morning Saturday game to a late night last game in the country Saturday night game. That sucks. Yeah, uh, Mensa. Yeah, and he's averaging about 11 points. Dude, a he's game. a monster. I, I'm kind of interested. 11 points and about seven and a half rebounds. See, and I think Wetzel was better than Mensa. I think Wetzel was a lot more athletic than Mensa. So. I if if Wetzel can't give Keta trouble, I don't know if if, if Manta can either. Just because Keta's size, I mean, both physically, he's taller, he's bigger, he's stronger. I'm not sure if Manta can give him the problems on the defensive side of the ball, but I think Manta's a good offensive guy too. So Keta's got his work cut out for him in this one. Uh, Nine three one five texts in. USU basketball was amazing over the weekend. We are really playing good right now. I think Thursday we can win. Uh, SDS fans are San Diego funny. State fans. San Diego State fans uh, are funny acting like they own the spectrum. We all know we own it even on a COVID year. We, well, they did beat us on our court last year, didn't they? Uh, yes. I think they beat us by, it was a close game too. I think it was, it was, I mean, I don't know if we ever led. They came out to a big lead and we were able to pull it back in. I don't think we, I can't remember if we didn't lead or not, but yeah, they beat us. Here last year, and they beat us there at their place. 77 to 68 last year. See, and I think that I think the free throws pushed the edge a little bit, but I think that was like a six point game 
five-point game with five minutes in change left going into the final media. The Aggies then, beat them the year before, 70-54. to 54. Yep. And then Actually, last the Aggies year— Aggies beat them both times that season in did 19. We, did we win at San Diego State that year? Yeah, at the end of the season. Oh, sorry, that's saying no, that was in the tournament. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we won it. We haven't won at San Diego State. Yeah, yet. they sorry, they beat the Aggies in San Diego 68-63 uh, to 63 in 2019. So we'll hear from Coach Smith tomorrow. We'll hear from Coach Smith on Wednesday for his presser. Um, I'm interested to hear just kind of how he game plans for a, a different-looking Aztec team. And like last year, they relied a lot on Malachi Flynn. The year before, they relied on a lot on Mitchell. Um, I'm not sure what they're... i got to go look at their backcourt numbers again, but they're decent. I don't know if they're as good as last year, though. And I think, again, as I've said before, uh, as i said before, I think... Um, I, 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 I like Marco, and I like Raleigh, and I think they're going to have their work cut out for him, but I think they're up to the challenge as well. Uh, the most recent polls are out. San Diego State in the coaches uh, is, um, where'd they go? They're receiving 22 votes. Boise State receiving 29 votes. Um, in the AP, San Diego State is receiving 10 votes. Boise State, 8 and as of right now, those are the only two Mountain West schools that are receiving any attention <clears throat> in the polls. Uh, I brought up the RPI rankings, excuse me, the net rankings. And uh, Boise State, uh, still very high. They've, they've dropped a little bit from where they were when the, the net rankings, the first net rankings of the year were introduced. But they're at 23. San Diego State has improved. They're up to 34. Colorado State is at 48. And Utah State has improved by about 20 points, um, and they're at 62. If you remember, Aggies opened at like 87, actually, so they were up like 25 points. Uh, Nevada is at 135, Wyoming 177, UNLV is surprising 190. Just I, I would have expected that team to be a little better than they are. Um, Fresno 194, Air Force 255, and we already mentioned New Mexico and San Jose State. They're they're more than 300. So uh, Utah State you know, doing what they should do, uh, beating bad teams by wide margins, double-digit victories in all four of their games, just total domination. Uh, and really, IJ, I think a big part of their success has been with their defense. Yeah. Defense has been dominating for, for Utah State. and Led by, of course, Namiyash Keta, who, uh, Eric, congratulations to him for setting the blocks record. It only took him 16 minutes in a basketball game to do it, to get three blocks. That was he had two blocks I think in the first five minutes, if I'm not mistaken. That was just so impressive what he's able to do, uh, and it's and it makes it really comforting to know that as a backcourt guy, if you get beat off the dribble, which they which has not happened a lot, uh, Namish is there to clean the trash up, and he's been just so so great. And I, and the and the rebounding portion of of it too is is really amazing. A lot of teams are not getting second chances on these guys. It makes you kind of wonder what, excuse me, what in the world happened um, in those first two games? How they got thrashed so badly, the way they did. Uh, I just, I mean, that took me completely off guard. How Utah State got thrashed? Yeah, in those first two games of the uh, of the season. Sorry. Oh, 
Sorry. So uh, VCU and BCU, whoever it was. South Dakota South State. South Dakota State. Thank you. I, I, how does that happen? Because you look at this team now, they've out-rebounded every opponent this season. And by the way, they're 61-11 and 11 under Coach Smith when they do so. Uh, they they out-rebounded the Lobos 53-22. to 22. Justin Bean had more offensive boards, eight, than New Mexico had as a team, six. And they finished with 18 offensive boards. That's the 10th time this season uh, that the Aggies have finished with double-digit rebounds on the offensive side of the board. That's incredible. Like, that's that's awesome. And that's the kind of basketball that's going to win you games like the ones this Thursday and this Saturday against quality opponents like San Diego State. I just don't think, besides Mensa, I don't know if they have another athletic big that can contend with the Aggies. And if that's the case, this could be a lot of trouble for San Diego State. Maybe I'm being too optimistic, Eric. Well, uh, this is a team that... that uh, Mensah is, you know, he's a big force, but you know Matt Mitchell's a, a forward that he leads the team in scoring. Yeah, um, he's up there in rebounds. He shares the ball. He steals the ball. He's very active in, in a lot of different things that he does for them. Um, but uh, I think you're right, though. The the emphasis of this game, whether how this game is won or lost, is not going to be around the rim. I, I think it's going to be what that guard play will look like for Utah State. If they can have that that defense that takes away the space and, and gets into these guys' heads, the opponents' heads, um, and to those transition points. Um, but then on the other side, you know, crashing the boards. You talk about how good Utah State is uh, with their rebounding. Uh, eliminate second-chance opportunities for their opponent um, and, and to get yourself out and running. That's really been one of the big hallmarks of Utah State over these past six games. Great defense aggressive on the boards, um, forcing turnovers, and getting out there and running and putting their opponent in a difficult position. Through this six-game stretch here in the Mountain West, Utah State is outscoring their opponents on average 84.3 to 51. They are beating their opponents by 33 points or more a game. That's insane. But you're right. This... This series this week is going to be vastly different than what the Aggies have gone through to get things started. As it, as it would be, right? I mean, you expect it to be different against a quality team like San Diego State. And I, again, I wish I had a better idea of what their backcourt looks like or what they look like. Uh, looking at their team stats right now, they average 72 points a game. I mean, by 11.5 is their winning margin. Uh, they shoot 44% from the field. Um, they shoot, what, 37% from deep. It's a, kind of what you're looking at with Utah State. But the thing is, though, is that they're also holding opponents to a low percentage in regards to shooting. 39% from the field, 32% from deep. Um, yeah, and I mean, but their free throw shooting as a team is not great either. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the, these two teams are kind of similar to each other in a lot of ways. Uh, I think Utah State, because of how you know their schedule has worked out, they're scoring more points. Um, but Utah State is also doing a little better job of um, of grabbing rebounds. Um, they San Diego State averages about thirty four um, a, a game. Utah State's at about forty two a game. Um, Utah State 
and San Diego shares the ball better. There's more assists. But you know what? The stats are going to be skewed a little bit more because Utah State has played some really bad teams. San Diego State has played some tougher competition going into this game. Nevada played them tough. Nevada's a good middle-of-the-road team in the Mountain West. Um, Colorado State is a good top 50 net-ranking team. And they split their series with the, with the Rams. So San Diego State has had a very different schedule thus far than Utah State. So um, it's kind of hard to really judge them uh, on a comparative level. Utah State's had six conference games. They've only had four. So, look, but I would rather see Utah State coming into this game with the momentum and confidence that they've built over the six-game stretch. Because they've also been able to get guys who haven't really been consistent earlier in the year. Now they're playing with some more consistency on the court. They're getting quality minutes. They're getting film that coaches can use to work with them. So this has been a really good stretch for USU, an important stretch for them to fine-tune, understand their roles, understand their rotations, and understand this philosophy that Coach Smith has for this year's team. Yeah, and it's a little bit different based on the roster, right? But I think it's worked out really well. I, t- things that I felt like we have uh, been helped by uh, or helped by, Brock Miller's defense has been really, really good. Shooting has not been great. Defense has been wonderful. The bench play has been really good. We talked about Steven Ashworth almost every single post game, almost every single uh, show. Now we talked about the Aggies in recap, and we're talking about Ashworth. Uh, Dorius has been so much better. This is going to be a major challenge for Dorius, by the way. We are going to really need to see him step up physically, play a man's basketball game. Time to take the training wheels off. Time to put the big boy pants on and go out there and play a big boy basketball game. Show us that you can compete with these higher-up teams. Well, the other thing that I've really liked, over this, uh, especially this last uh, week and a half or so, is just how Alfonso Anderson is finally oh getting gosh, into his yeah. rhythm. He's playing well. He seems like he, the light has turned on there. Uh, not, I mean, it's not dominating when he's on the court, but he's part of the system, and he's contributing. And it's, uh, They need Alfonso Anderson to play well because of his position on the court, how he can guard multiple spots. Uh, and I think he really is and can be a, a real uh, X factor for Utah State on the court, especially when he comes off the bench and with that uh, uh, second unit. Oh, man, I didn't, I didn't realize Shackle's still there too, huh? <laughs> wow. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a problem too. Is Kevin Vegan gone? Vegan's a senior last year, huh? He's done. I didn't know that. All right, cool. Well, good, because Vegan was their best defender, to be honest with you. Jordan Shackle's a pro. He's really good. He's a really good ball player. I've actually enjoyed watching Shackle play. Uh, I know you brought this up. I I think you did earlier, but man, Mitchell's shooting forty five percent from the field. That's that's not too shabby for fifteen and a half. Well, I guess just under sixteen points a game. That's pretty good. Yeah, uh, six six forward, and I think that that's you know Justin Bean. It's going to have a big assignment trying to slow him down. Let me ask you. So Matt Lohner of BYU gave Justin Bean a lot of problems. Athletically, I think height was kind of an issue too. Yeah, yes. Matt Mitchell's a bigger problem. How do you handle that? Do you maybe get Bean off of Mitchell and get someone else on Mitchell? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who else can guard him. But if Bean's not athletic enough to guard Matt Mitchell, could that could be that could be a big issue going into Thursday night? Because Mitchell could have a big, big game. 
Well, Mitchell's coming into this series having scored 20 points apiece in his games against Nevada. Oh, boy. Uh, he put up 20 and 10 in their first game and 20 and 8 in their second game. Uh, he was 50% from beyond the arc in the second game. Um, so, yeah, you're right. He is a. He's going to be. A what do you do with handle. him? Like, how do you. Do you put Marco on Mitchell? Would that work? No, no? I think you go with Bean, and he's got to do his best. Um, and then I think Alfonso probably is the second guy that you throw at him. Whew. I like Alfonso just because of size wise. Because and and I know Bean's a physical guy; he's scrappy, but just and I'm not saying Bean's not tough, but Mitchell is a monster to handle. And once he gets and by the way, Mitchell's gonna make Bean guard him from the perimeter a lot. And you can take him on the dribble. Uh, Mitchell can shoot well on the outside from the arc. This guy can do it all. Bean could have some huge problems. He had problems with Lawner uh, from BYU. This could be another. This could be a big night for Mitchell if we're not careful. Yeah, I mean Justin Bean is six seven. Mitchell's six six. So I think it's not like it's a big size differential here. Um, so I, I think that. I think that Justin can hang with him if he can slow him down. That's going to be the question, you know. What if if it's not one guy, you know, who's the next guy that that does something? Colorado State was able to limit him to fourteen and twelve. Uh, St. Mary's only let him score ten. So it's not until just this last week that he really started going crazy with twenty points apiece against Nevada. Wow. But again, I just guess the athleticism. Not I again. I'm not saying he's not tough, but just the athleticism of Mitchell that is going to hurt us a lot. And I don't know if Bean can keep up with that. Why? You don't think Bean is athletic? N- not not to Mitchell's attire. No, I think I think Bean I, can hang with him. I hope you're right. I really hope you're right. But I'm not so sure. Did Bean guard Mitchell last year? I think he. Yeah, I guess he would have, huh? Because that that uh, front front court wouldn't have changed. Yeah, Mitchell's a problem. I I worry about that one, and I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I'd love to see be able to see being be able to shut Mitchell down. I think if you shut Mitchell down, this team loses its you know its engine, uh, and uh, loses a lot of momentum on the offensive side of the ball. But that's uh that's an easier. Easier than said, done task. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just that but, Mitchell can shoot so well from the outside, but then if you give him that little space, he'll pump it from you. And then if you if you play up close on him, he can drive to the hoop. Well, there may be times where they can switch. If he's going to be out on the perimeter, Marco yeah. draws that. Get Marco. He's pretty similar size. Yeah. So. I, I would be much, and again, I'd be much more confident in Marco guarding Mitchell on the outside. Then Bean, and if you get him in the post, then let Bean do his thing. See, Jordan Shackles listed as a guard, but he's six six two. Yeah, yeah, Shackles a monster. He had a pretty big game. I, if I remember right, he had a pretty big game in the Mountain West Conference tournament too against us. Shackle put up twenty eight against Colorado State. Um, in their second game, only twelve in their first. Then only scored eight and seven against uh, Nevada. 
9315 texted in that the key was Coach Smith. He's at, honestly, I think when you look at the head coach matchup, you flip a coin. <laughs> look, Brian Dutcher is a great coach. He's a really, that guy was part of the staff of the Fab Five when Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, that crew was over there. Uh, this guy knows how to coach basketball. And these two, like watching them make adjustments at each other in the Mountain West Conference Championship game, just playing chess, right? I mean, it's you make this move, I know it's coming, I'm going to make this move. When you would watch him sub, like Smith would sub in somebody, Dutcher would look over, uh, let's do this, we're going to sub you in. And then, or I think twice, it might happen twice, where uh, Aggies were shooting free throws, they throw in a sub, and Dutcher would wait, 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 and then as soon as the ball's about to go to the player, eh, subbing that guy. I, it's just a gamesmanship between the two. Brilliant coaches they are. I, and, and I love Coach Smith. I don't know if there's an advantage either way in regard to the coaching uh, podium. I think it's just it's all going to be on the court. No, I, I agree. And I think that this San Diego State team is, is good, but um, Utah State should have no reason to be intimidated by these guys. They've, they've proven to themselves that they can beat San Diego State when they're at their very best top, top 10 team in the country. But wait, 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 wait. Did they prove it or did Sam prove it? Because when we went in that big oh, it drought, took more it than had Sam. to be Sam. It no, took more than Sam. It didn't, though. I mean, Alfonso did have two big threes back-to-back. Absolutely, they cut it to one and gave him the lead. But other than that, it was Sam. Like, I, I mean, I just don't know who else. If we get into a scoring drought and we need that bucket to get us out of that drought and get us on a run, I don't know who you're going to get it from. I'm terrified about that. I'm scared to death. Well, I think they've proven this year that it doesn't have to be one guy. Yeah. Do you trust? And that was the mantra coming into the season. Like, it's going to have to be a, a group of guys that lift the team instead of just one guy who does it all by himself. Do you trust Brock out there to be a starter? Yeah. Offensively, too? I mean, he's going to have to make some shots to spread the court against his defense. He will. But if he's if he's not, then you bring Ashworth in a little bit early, or you bring Barristow yeah. in a little bit early. Is Ashworth too small to be on the to be in this uh, to have a vocal role no. in this game? They've got a guy one of their starting guards. He's only like five eight. Oh, geez. five nine. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's good. Um, yeah, Ashworth is going to have to be huge. I'd like to see Raleigh get going a little bit more. He's been pretty quiet. And I know, and I like what you said, you know, his numbers don't tell you that he's been good, but everything in the basketball eye has looked like he's had an impact every time. Right. He's active. Yeah. He's doing things on the court, just they don't always show up in a, in a box score. But that being said, he is a little bit off compared to where he was earlier in the year. So hopefully he's able to, to get that back on. They'll need they'll need that scoring. Oh, they're going to need all the scoring they can get. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Time out here on the full court press. Love to get your thoughts about Utah State, San Diego State this week. We'll be talking about that a lot through the week. But oh if you gosh. want to recap the weekend that was and how they did against New Mexico, uh, we definitely do that as well. Four three five three three nine zero three two one or chime in via the one hundred six point nine the fan mobile app. 
The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on The Fan. Uh, it was fun over the weekend listening to all those oh, NFL that was playoff so cool. games. Driving around the valley, and I just go to 1069 The Fan. You hear Kevin Harlan calling a game, and Kevin uh, is the best. He's so good. Oh, man, he's awesome. Uh, great, great calls uh, on those games. I'm, that was awesome to hear that on 1069 The Fan, driving around the valley, getting stuff done, and yeah, that was cool. We'll that have was- more of that coming up this weekend. We'll get more into the uh, NFL playoffs uh, more next hour but can i just say calling coward i was listening to him today on our station like he 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 says this stupid stuff about like hat backwards and all that if there's I, I try to figure out sometimes if it's like a if it's like a shtick of just saying stupid controversial stuff just to get a rise out of everybody and then having to backpedal like he rips on Baker Mayfield twenty four seven, like what skips LeBron, like Skip Bayless's obsession with LeBron James, or Nick Wright's obsession with Tom Brady, or Colin's obsession with um, Baker Mayfield. Sometimes it's just too much for me. But he ripped Baker Mayfield apart, you know, two days before the game, and then Baker goes out and has the game of his life, and the Browns play the game of their life, and what do you know? We're back to nineteen ninety five. Crazy. Um, unbelievable. Awesome. Baker Mayfield uh, wasn't even born the last time. Neither was Josh Allen, right? Cleveland won. No. Josh Allen wasn't I alive. I think so, no. Yeah. Uh, 95, I think, is when he was when they won that playoff game. Just crazy. Yeah, three months later, Baker Mayfield was born. Wow. But the, the weekend that was, you know, the Aggies played, the Jazz played, the NFL. Do you see six two nine four's text? By the way, read that. No. Speaking of eating crow, I've got to go eat my crow now. Six two nine four. Yeah. Pretty sure it's six two nine four. Let me find out. Yes, six two nine four. Hey, what was the score of the Jazz Milwaukee game? Ha ha. Ah. <laughs> I, right, you were all Debbie Downer on the Jazz, and I still hey, have faith. Hey, why not? And you know what? You, one game changes your mind. What, what happened? I mean, now you're not so like uh, you're you're so Mister Realistic when it comes to the Aggies. Oh, well, they've only beaten the bad teams. But when the Jazz come and beat Milwaukee, but lose to the Knicks, lose to the shorthanded Nets, and have to survive the Pistons, you're like, oh, we're the number two team in the Western Conference. <laughs> if you ask me, I mean, come on, Eric. Come on. Uh, 6543 texted in. Eric, do you think this will be a one-bid conference in the tournament again this year? No. Really? No, I, I think we'll be a multi-bid ter- uh, conference. Uh, Boise State. That'd be nice. Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State, they're all top 50 teams. If they can continue that, yes, they're going to be some taking from each other there, but that looks really good. Um, Colorado, or excuse me, Boise State and San Diego State are in a lot of the mock uh, brackets that uh-huh. are out there already. Uh-huh. So I, I think the Mountain West will be a multi-bid league. Wow. I like I it. I think so. I, I, like, you're shocked to hear me say yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, 
look, they're they're struggling just to get like into the top twenty five itself. I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see it, but I, I I'm not so sure. Look, Boise State is ten and one overall. Utah State is nine and three overall. Colorado State eight and two. San Diego State nine and two. But Colorado State lost to who have they lost? I mean, and and if they on the season, yeah. I mean, and by the way, the South Dakota State, the VCU, and the BYU loss. Well, the South Dakota State and the VCU loss hurt the Aggies. The BYU loss, not so much. Colorado State's two losses are at St. Mary's. Okay, that's a good loss. And at San Diego State. Oh, that's a yeah. Okay, yeah, they're in good shape. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're doing okay. How many? Because how many losses could you afford going into the Mount West tournament? How many losses could you afford to even that if you get to the championship game and lose, you could still get a bid in? If that makes sense, like an at-large bid in. Yeah, I, I, I don't. <clears throat> I think it's a fair point, and I think it's one that the Mountain West has to be concerned about. Yeah. Um, I don't think you you get in as an at-large with more than two conference losses. So they. So they need to sweep Colorado State, the Aggies, and then split at least split with San Diego State, and at least split with Boise State. Cause, but yeah, but that South Dakota State loss is gonna kill them, dude. I don't know. Like you can't. That'd be what four, five. See one, two, three, four, give or take losses. And that's assuming that you haven't you didn't lose to UNLV, which they probably shouldn't. You didn't lose to Nevada. You didn't lose to Fresno State, which you shouldn't. It's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. It's like five or so losses. South Dakota State is currently ranked 96th oh, in the net Top hundred. So they're a top 100 team. And then their other loss was to VCU. Yeah. VCU is currently 46. I was going to say VCU's up there, aren't they? Yeah. So All right. those aren't really bad losses. But they got crushed in those games, didn't they? I know they got crushed in the South Dakota State game. Uh, BYU, Utah State's other loss. There are 41. Yeah, they got murdered by Gonzaga to the other night. Boy. By the way, Gonzaga may not lose a game until the tournament, like the NCAA tournament. They look so Mark Few is just on a mission right now to annihilate anybody and everybody in his way. (laughs) That's incredible what that team's doing. Hey, uh, Mondays we go back and talk about a lot of the things that happened over the weekend. Hmm. And one of the key things that we do to recap is to go over our pick six. The six things okay. we thought would happen for the weekend. Your tone of voice is like Groundhog Day. <laughs> I can predict it by your tone of voice. Your tone of voice, Eric, tells me I won pick six. <laughs> and I'm grateful to have won. So shout it from the rooftops, everybody. I've spoken into existence. You've spoken into so existence. So 6294, are you laughing about the jazz game now? No. No. Because in the end, I won. Well, let's go through them. So our first one. Uh, so suppressed. Sam Merrill. <laughs> oh, that was points. I sorry, I wrote that down as minutes. What the heck? Sam Merrill points. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, points against the Jazz. The line was set at five and a half. He did not have that many points. Hey, according to D News, uh, the the recap of the Jazz Bucks game was that. Uh, Sam uh, got dunked Sam on. Sam got dunked on, and he played mop-up minutes. Oh my word. Hey, great work over there, you guys. 
the unathletic Sam Merrill. Awesome work. Just great, great work Thanks. by Ryan McDonald over there. Keep it up, guys. Yeah, earn a paycheck. That's why we go to CashValleyDaily.com for all our coverage. Uh, right. So anyway, Sam Merrill points versus Utah at five and a half. He didn't score that many. You took the under. I took the over. You were correct. So that's one for you. Um, Aggie players in double figures at New Mexico. I set the line at four and a half. We both took the under on that. It was over, wasn't it? There were, in fact, four. Mm. So we both got that one correct. So now you've got two. I've got one. Seahawks over the Rams by three and a half. We both took the over because we saw the Jared Goff injury. That didn't quite go so well. Rams end up winning by 10. Got to be talking to Sean, man. In Seattle. That defense was incredible. Oh, just awesome. Uh, so neither one of us got that one right. Tampa Bay over the Washington football team by 12 and a half. I took the under. You took the over. In fact, the score was 31 to 23. So I got that one right. So now it's two and two. It's an, we're close here. We didn't create a tiebreaker. Uh, our next one Derek Henry rushing yards. Oh my gosh. For the got, Titans. Oh. We set the line at 120 and a half. Oops. He only had 40 rushing yards. 40. We both took the under on that, though. So we're both right. So it's. We're tied three three. It comes down to this, but you're right. We didn't have a we didn't think of a tiebreaker. I won. The final one was Milwaukee over Utah. You bumped the line up by to thirteen and a half. Oh wait, I took the under. You took the over. <laughs> the Jazz win one thirty one to one eighteen. Six two nine four. I'm sorry. So I win pick six. <laughs> Look at that. I really thought I was. I was going to eat those. <laughs> Pick six to myself? Yeah. A little bag full of gonna uh, chocolates here. That's nice. No crap. Really? Thank you. I really lost again? <laughs> Bull crap. 6294. That's what I get. I'm sorry. I lied to you. That That's so late. Are you serious? I hope you enjoy those. Those were good ones, too. I picked the ones I like. Yeah, I mean, every week it's something new that I get to enjoy. Great that you get to watch go stale in your dang candy drawer. What? I'm still working on my uh, uh, Oh, my gosh. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> it was still good today when I opened it up. Ah, <laughs> uh, a little parched. Oh, oh wait. The beverage. From Mrs. Ringmaster. Hey, By the way, there it is. going to church yesterday, and some <laughs> guy comes to me and goes, the ringmaster how are you and i'm like okay okay you know what that's not appropriate give me a recommend let's wait think about what you said what's not appropriate by calling you mr ringmaster so many things so look what you've done look what you've done because you've done to this world and our wonderful listenership he deserves better 9315 hey why is aj so hip on splitting these series and we can w- just win the Mount West tournament. True. But I think we're all a little bit more confident about winning the Mount West tournament last year than we are this year. And that Boise State team is not the Boise State team of last year. Much more athletic. They're a bigger problem than San Diego State is, I'd say. That's a much, well, not a much. That's a better team than San Diego State is. That 
that Boise State team is. They can, they have every counter to our squad, to to Namish, to Justin Bean, who's got his hands full again, to Marco, to Raleigh. Raleigh's going to have trouble in that game. <laughs> well, and that series is in Boise, and I think that's that's, that, that's a big me. difference. And if Dave Hall's ref in that game in Boise, you aren't getting a lot of calls. Good night, Irene. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great way to put it right there, Eric. I can't believe I lost. Are you serious? Freaking got key lime chocolates. There's the numbers right here. Hey, wait. My chocolate, Wait, sticky fingers. I thought we said minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that Uh, sucks, man. Hope you enjoy the key lime chocolate I Mm, got you. That'll be delicious. Milk chocolate covered. Uh, coming up next, uh, it's the college football playoff championship game tonight. There was a lot of speculation that it may need to be moved back because of COVID and contact tracing. I want to get your thoughts on that, there too. There will, in fact, should've. be some players who will not participate. What? Oh, how big of a factor will their absence be? We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Four three five three three nine zero three two one, or message us directly through the one hundred six point nine The Fan mobile app if you want to weigh in, ask a question, agree or disagree with Ajay, yeah, or, that's... Or, or myself. That's okay. Too. <laughs> Never happens. <laughs> So college football playoff, uh, the championship <laughs> game is tonight. And uh, boy, uh, almost as soon as we knew who the matchup was going to be against, we knew that there were some concerns within the Ohio State program, but players, coaches, testing positive, contact tracing, who may or may not be available for the game. And there was uh, large or, or wide speculation that the game may need to be postponed or moved back. And uh, the SEC in Alabama said, heck no. You play the game as it's scheduled, <laughs> and uh, they were digging in their heels. And uh, Ohio State said, "You know what? We'll make it. Th- we'll find a way to make it work." Do you agree with this? I mean, we want to see the best versus the best, right? That's what the national championship game has always been about. And this isn't like someone twisted their ankle, broke their leg, hurt their arm, tore their knee. This is because of COVID nineteen. Where if we were in proper quarantine, then we could wait ten or fourteen, or I guess ten days or whatever it is. And get this back and, and reset for a championship game that brings out everybody's best. And we're not going to get that. Are you, does it dull this game a lot, a little bit? Would it dull the game anymore if uh, Justin Fields like may have uh, bruised ribs or a cracked rib and because of how things went against Clemson and he yeah. may not be at his whole full potential? But at least yes, I mean, yeah, you'd want everybody 100% healthy and ready to go for the game. But it doesn't happen. There are injuries. There are guys who get hurt and that are not available to go or not able to go at 100%. But like you want, I mean, but you want that to happen. And I mean, it's great. It'd be great for college football and, and the playoff committee and whoever. But this is COVID 19. We don't even, because of a COVID protocol, they can't even play in the game. Like we're. I mean, we can't wait 10 days and just say, hey, let's reset, come back in 10 days and play the game, you know, when we get everybody back from COVID issues. Well, I think part of the concern would be that, look, it's already 
pushing into 2021 yeah. deep enough. That's a good point. If we if we delay it, there's a risk that other people will get sick or have contact tracing, and it really doesn't solve anything. Yeah, we just it's a, just a different set of, of people. So their Ohio State's without their kicker. Brent McMurphy just tweeted out something to the fact of that Kirk Herbstreit said that there will be two major contributors who will be out for Ohio State as well on top of that kicker. And uh, he won't elaborate on who yet because he says they can't, at least not yet. Um, I don't know who that is, defense or offensive. But, boy, this puts Ohio State in a really, really precarious position. Now, we said the same thing about the Cleveland Browns. who didn't have their head coach, their offensive line coach, so on and so forth, and they smacked Pittsburgh around. So who knows? But this is an Alabama team, Eric, that comes into this game healthy. I mean, with... Well, mostly healthy. Yeah, mostly healthy. I guess uh, Waddle or Wardle. Waddle, yeah, he will... Is he going to play tonight? uh, Nick Saban says that he will play, but it'll be limited. Oh. I wonder if he's luring him into a false sense of security over on the other side of the ball then. Um... Like otherwise, Eric, this team's so doggone good, so well coached. I'm not saying Ryan Day isn't, but Nick Saban has been there. He's done that. He'll have these kids ready. I would. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen the line yet for this game, but it's. I think it's Alabama by eight and a half. Yeah, it's and it's got to be going. Depending on who's out, who else is out for Ohio State, I think might be going up. So uh, it's moved up to nine. Oh boy, now. boy. Uh, nine three one five texts in. All year long, they postponed games due to COVID, and now we can't. And Bama will change their mind if they lose. Yeah, if this was Bama's situation, and they were on the other side of the coin, would they ask for a postponement? And they say, no, we got to play. And would Ohio State accept that if they asked for a, a reschedule? Of course they would. Yeah. It, that's just it's how the it way would how, go. Yeah. yeah. You know, one team has an advantage, and they want to use that to their to help them get the victory, yeah. get the trophy. Sure. Um, is this, does this game turn into or out? Well, I think it depends on who those quote unquote significant players yeah. are. Do you think it's if it's the man. kicker? Yeah, he's a starting player, but is he really that significant? But you brought up, I mean, Justin Fields is not a hundred percent. Um, and they kind of talked about it all week long that he's not really even close. That's going to be a problem for a guy who likes to scramble and run around and for a defense that is more than willing to send the kitchen sink after you. Yeah, if it's Trey Sermon, oh my lights gosh. out. Man. Yeah, this thing's over in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah he, he had 193 yards rushing against Clemson. Uh, I, I, he was a big part of why Fields was able to do what he could do. Yeah. Because that, that Clemson defense had to respect what Sermon could do to them. So if if Ohio State can have both Fields and Sermon going, they're going to give themselves a chance. But uh, in the end, I think really it's it's whose defense has more players available, which defense can slow their opponent down. Because both these teams can score. Both these teams can get up and down the field. So whosever's, uh, whomever's defense plays the best that's really what's going to come down to because both offenses are elite. Well, and Bama's got some depth on their defensive on the defensive side of the ball, just not as productive as you go deeper. Though, like I mean, you've got uh, a couple second D back guys um, who struggle against the passing game, 
And a guy like Justin Fields, who can create space by just with his legs alone and create opportunities down the field, it's it's gonna it's gonna be kind of interesting how he's able to utilize and take advantage of the secondary guys, maybe the backup guys as well. Um, and and just if you can, I think you run that run that defense dog dead tired if you're Ohio State and milk that clock. All right, score prediction. I got thirty five seventeen for Bama. Oh, you low scoring game. Yeah. In considering. Considering. 35-17. See, I've got Alabama 42 and Ohio State 31. Wow, you think 30, Ohio State puts up 31? Wow, okay. Well, I think they'll study Florida game film. It's yeah, that's a, a, that's a team that was able to score and get up and down the field, and they were right there with Bama in the SEC championship game. No, I like that. I like that prediction. I uh, and they look what I, they did against Clemson, which is a really good offensive team, and they put them in their place. Yeah, they they they, really well. they gave Trevor Lawrence problems all night. That that could be a problem tonight. And I don't know. I just I see Alabama just uh, wearing out Ohio State. Uh, I think in the end, yes, it will be more Bama. They're just they're too deep. They're, they're so too big. talented. They're so, so big. big. <laughs> oh man, are you sick of it? Uh, it's the same four or five schools every year, but pretty much really only two or three schools every year. Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. It does get tiring. <laughs> uh, real All tide. Right, next hour, we'll talk about the Utah Jazz and uh, the NFL weekend that was. Stick around. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric Franson here with you on a Monday. AJ had to sneak out, but still plenty to talk about and discuss here on the Full Court Press. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. 435-339-0321 or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app if you want to weigh in. Uh, score prediction for tonight's college football championship game. Who Who's going to win? What's going to be the margin of victory? Who you got tonight? Uh, there are some COVID issues within the Ohio State program. How much of a difference will that make? How much would it have made? Uh, how much of a difference would it have made anyway? Uh, do you have Ohio or Alabama taking care of business no matter what? Um, we were talking about this just as we went off the the last hour. Um, looking at the history of the college football championship, college football playoff and its championship, first instituted in 2014. And so the, the championship was played in 2015. But uh, since it was instituted, Ohio State has appeared twice in the first year and this year. Alabama has appeared, including this season and this championship tonight, five times. Clemson, four times. LSU once. Oregon once. Georgia once. So... It's a very uh, small group. It's a very elite company. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, multiple trips, and then LSU, Oregon, and Georgia won apiece. So, yeah, would I like to see some uh, some uh, diversity there? Sure. I mean, I'm not a socialist, so I don't think that it's let's spread it around and be even just to play, play fair and you get a trophy just for participating. Uh, I think that you award the best teams for what they were able to do on the field. But I also think that the system is rigged. 
uh, and that uh, it, it is not a fair opportunity for those who play the game. Uh, I think an expanded playoff makes more sense. Um, I think it gives more opportunities for teams in group of five to have that have had great seasons, at least an opportunity. Now, would Cincinnati have played their way into the championship game? Probably not. But at least the door would have been opened to them. Currently, it's not. It's clear that it's not. Uh, they're pretty exclusionary about who they let in. Um, but uh, nonetheless, uh, it, we see the same few teams there uh, every year. Is next year going to be different? Probably not. If there was every year to expand, it would have been this year. But because of the COVID reasons and a weird season, and let's expand it and provide more opportunities. But you know, reason does not uh, settle with those in the college football playoff committee. Only dollar signs do. Which also is odd because you'd think that expanding the playoffs would open the door for more sponsorships, more TV rights, more, 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 more. But they just want to keep it within their small group. So that's, it is what it is. So tonight it's going to be Ohio State and Alabama. As we said, the Crimson Tide are favored in this one by nine. They've played 12 games. Ohio State has only played seven. That includes the first round of the playoffs, the semifinals. Ohio State looked good in their matchup against Clemson. Early on it was in doubt after Fields got hurt, but he was able to hang in there. He looked great despite being hurt. A great running game helped him tremendously. Uh, can that uh, be part of the recipe that works against Alabama today? Or is Alabama just too much, too good at too many levels to let Ohio State uh, be close in this one? Uh, the game is being played in Miami at Hard Rock, Hard Rock Stadium. You can watch it on ESPN, and it kicks off just after 6 o'clock. So um, will I tune in with interest? Sure. I mean, that's great. Football, it's college football at its best. But uh, sure would have been nice to see some some different teams represented there. Um, and the real question, too, is how many Ohio State players will be out because of COVID or contact tracing? How much of an impact does that play? And will it be a, a, a tarnished or a, a college football championship that should have an asterisk beside Alabama uh, if they, when they come out on top? So uh, I guess we'll be debating that for for years to come. But uh, nonetheless, it's it's happening. Uh, I think that that Ohio State defensive front that's probably where the the game will be won or lost in my mind. How well will they be able to uh, get after uh, Mac Jones? Slow down, you know, Najee Harris at the line. Um, will they be able to uh, you know, mix things up defensively to slow down that just electric, uh, high scoring, quick strike offense? That Alabama has, and then just how healthy will Justin Fields be on the other side, and will they be able to have that one-two punch with what he does uh, at, as a quarterback, and then how effective, you know, uh, Trey Sermon running the ball—he was just incredible against Clemson. Will he have that same level uh, of emphasis? Because that that key for them against Clemson was their running game, and that really opened things up uh, for for Trey Fields to be able to do what he could do uh, offensively, passing the ball. And he also can rush the ball, too. That's And we know that Alabama historically has struggled against rushing quarterbacks. Could this be a, a, a similar game like Alabama faced with uh, um, 
<laughs> his name slipped in my mind. He now plays for the Texans. He played for uh, Clemson before. Um, Watson. Uh, and a, a rushing quarterback that they'll have a hard time containing, get out in an open space, and just to keep things moving for Ohio State offensively. So uh, I think it'll still be an interesting matchup. I think it'll be worth tuning in. I think it'll be a, uh, a somewhat closer game because Ohio State has looked really good, uh, even though they haven't played as many games as Alabama has. But that being said, Alabama just has some really, really superior athletes. Um, again, my prediction was 42-31 for, for Alabama. Ajay predicting a much uh, s- a slower game, or not slower, but less scoring, uh, 35-17, to if I remember correctly, was his uh, prediction for tonight. But again, it's at 6 o'clock on ESPN. Uh, if you want to get your prediction in and let me know what you think the score will be tonight, who's going to win, let me know, 435-339-0321, or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app, Free to download in your uh, App Store or Google Play Store, uh, wherever you get your apps. Uh, That's where you can also stream our show uh, live, uh, wherever you may be. And uh, find us on podcasts as well. And subscribe to the Full Court Press podcast. So uh, besides uh, the, the college football championship going on tonight, you know, a lot of the sports world is a little bit more quiet tonight because of the championship game. But it was a busy weekend in the NFL, and uh, there were some... I thought there were some really fun NFL playoff games, some scores that caught me by surprise, caught Ajay by surprise. And we thought that Seattle would be able to take care of Los Angeles without uh, Goff. We didn't think he'd be available to go. And uh, Russell Wilson's had a great season, great year. DJ Metcalf has been outstanding. They still have some good players on defense. Bobby Wagner's been awesome, one of the best linebackers still throughout the entire NFL. But in the end, it was just too much defense, too much Aaron Donald, uh, too much uh, Leonard Floyd as well. Had that pick six brought back for 42 yards. The Rams beating the Seahawks 30 to 20. And just Cam, and I think you also give a lot of credit to Cam Akers. You know, the question about the the quarterback position, a backup, and he gets hurt. Goff comes in, he's not 100. percent Cam Akers took over 131 yards, took a lot of pressure off of Goff. That defense affected the game just incredibly. Uh, and uh, you know, three quarterback hits by Aaron Donald, two sacks. Uh, Leonard Floyd had the exact same, two sacks, three quarterback hits. They just made life difficult for Russell Wilson the entire game. So big road win for the Rams. Now they'll have to try to do that again as they will be on the road this weekend uh, in Green Bay. Um, so uh, you know, it's going to be a cold uh, Milwaukee uh, game, uh, and uh, we'll see what they'll be able to do on the road. But we've seen these uh, teams in the NFC wild card in, in the past. We've seen a couple of them get hot and play well, and a lot of people overlook them, and they come in and surprise some teams. Can they get past the number one overall seed in Green Bay? Uh, don't know. I didn't think that they'd get past Seattle, but uh, I think Green Bay is a much different animal offensively than than Seattle was. I just think they're a better, well-rounded team. It's going to be a fun, fun matchup. Uh, that game will be on uh, Saturday, two thirty hour time. It'll be on Fox. Um, the, one of the other games that was really interesting to watch was the the game that got it all started on Saturday. That was the Bills and the Colts. 
Uh, there were fans there. That was cool. They were really excited to have fans there. Uh, it looks like the the state of uh, New York is going to allow fans again. But Josh Allen looked great. Um, and there were a couple of throws. He just flicked his wrist, and before you know it, it's a 40-yard bomb without much effort. Uh, but I thought he looked really solid, well in command. Um, and uh, that that defense, too, was uh, – was really solid against Indianapolis. Um, but Stefan Diggs for Josh Allen, great target, 128 yards receiving. Uh, the uh, The Bills didn't have much of a running game, which is a bit of an anomaly. Their, their running game is usually pretty solid. So it was all on Josh Allen's shoulders to create and make things happen. Um, and they, they got past the Colts, 27-24. to 24. So they advance. They will be... Uh, They'll be at home again facing Baltimore. Uh, and uh, Baltimore played uh, over the weekend as well. And look, they had a big game beating Tennessee 20-13. to And really, I think you have to look at Lamar Jackson, the way he played. Outstanding offensively, with passing the ball and rushing the ball. You know, led the team in rushing, 136 yards on the ground, 179, year, uh, nine, 179 yards through the air. Uh, just kept the... Kept the offense moving, uh, kept uh, Tennessee that Tennessee defense guessing. Was able to continue to stretch the plays out, and, and then kind of similarly, you talk about defense. That Baltimore defense, Derrick Henry. There's a guy that's just been rolling over teams, and defenders have been getting out of his way. They don't want to tackle the guy because he runs so aggressively. They limited him to only 40 yards rushing. It's impressive. Uh, Baltimore gets past Tennessee. And the Titans just looked like they were flummoxed. They just had a hard time getting anything going. Tannehill just was off. And that Baltimore defense really really came to play. So uh, it'll be uh, uh, Baltimore at Buffalo. And uh, that will be Saturday at 6.15 on NBC. So uh, the, the Saturday games are the Rams at the Packers at about 2.30 on Fox. And then... Uh, it'll be the uh, Ravens at the Bills uh, Saturday night at about 6.15 on NBC. And uh, the Bills only favored by two and a half on the early line on this one. The Packers favored by seven in theirs uh, early on in that matchup. Uh, some of the other uh, matchups, the uh, Tampa Bay on the road at Washington. It was a cold game. Uh, Tampa you know, looked you – know, Tom Brady looked sharp. Uh, I think you have to give a lot of credit to – uh, the quarter, the backup quarterback for Washington. Now his name's escaping me, but you know, considering uh, how he came in uh, and what's been going on with that quarterback room there at that team, I thought he looked pretty solid with what he was able to do. But Tom Brady, 381 yards, two touchdowns, spreading the ball around to multiple guys. I mean, it's the guy really hasn't lost much of a step. Uh, Washington tried to make a game of it uh, defensively, tried to hold them in check, but uh, too much Tom Brady. And Tampa Bay advances uh, after winning on the road. They'll have to try to do it again um, on the road as they travel to New Orleans to take on the Saints. They've had some good battles this year uh, against the Saints already, splitting their regular season. And uh, third time will be on Sunday uh, in the uh, later game at 640, excuse me, 440. It'll be the afternoon game. Um, uh, It'll be in the afternoon, 440 on Fox and right now, the Saints favored by three and a half in that matchup. And uh, speaking of the Saints, they took care of the Bears. This was 
probably the most lopsided of all the games. Uh, most of them were pretty close, except for this one. The Saints took care of Chicago 21-9. to I thought Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, uh, they were very methodical and very surgical in how they took care of Chicago's defense. Uh, and also give credit to that Saints uh, defense. You know, we usually talk about New Orleans offensively and what they, the type of weapons they have and what they can do, but I thought defensively they did a really good job of getting after uh, Trubisky and that Chicago offense. Uh, look, they've been kind of a punchline for a little while, uh, but they were able to get some things together and made kind of a decent run for a little bit there. Um, but uh, in the end, it was too much uh, for that uh, New Orleans defense. And then Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara were uh, were really solid in that one. So they get past Chicago. So it will be uh, New Orleans and uh, and Tampa. That game will be in New Orleans. Again, that game will be at 440 on Fox. And then the last game to talk about, It'll be the uh, um, the Kansas City Chiefs waiting on the Cleveland Browns, and uh, surprisingly, it was the Browns taking care of of uh, a Pittsburgh, and uh, it's kind of developed into a big rivalry between those two teams. Uh, Pittsburgh had a chance to put them away at the end of the regular season, but Cleveland was able to get things done and, and got the win, which secured their their trip to the postseason. We played the audio of their play-by-play announcer, so excited to get that uh, that wind which sent them to the playoffs. And this is the same guy after the game was concluding uh, their first playoff victory for Cleveland since 1995. You can sense the excitement for all those in Cleveland. Mayfield takes a snap. That's going to do it from Pittsburgh, from Heinz Field. Sit back and watch and listen to this one inside a half minute, and the Browns will not have to snap the ball again. They will beat the Steelers in the opening round of the playoffs on a wonderful, wonderful wild card weekend. They knock off the Steelers 48-37. Kansas City, here we come. Well, the Pittsburgh Steelers, is that one of the more disappointing finishes? I mean, they started so strong, and then over the last month and a half, they have just looked terrible. Uh, they just really fizzled at the end of the regular season and looked like they were trying to get back on track, and then they falter again, and then they kind of limp out of the postseason. I mean, yes, they scored a lot of points, and but they allowed a lot of points against the Browns. But as we heard there, that's the Cleveland's first playoff win since 1995, and they did it without their head coach. They did that without their Pro Bowl guard. They did that without their top corner, all out because of COVID and contact tracing protocols. So uh, give a lot of credit to that team and how they've come together. And look, they've been coming together for the last few seasons, and they finally got over the hump and have uh, got themselves into the postseason. Can they get that same magic again next week, or this weekend on Sunday? Uh, that's going to be the tough test. It'll be at Kansas City. The game t- kicks off at 1 o'clock on CBS. And of all the games being played this weekend, that one has the biggest, um, if, I guess you'd say, a line uh, for those that, uh, for entertainment purposes. But uh, it'll be the, the Chiefs currently favored by 9.5 in this one. Uh, over the Browns. Again, that'll be at 1 o'clock on CBS. Um, but uh, a few of the games that really stood out to me, just the, as we mentioned, the historic nature of Cleveland's win, the way Tampa was able to uh, to spread the ball around so much at, at Washington on the road, the way that 
Rams defense affected the game so much against Seattle. And then, look, uh, certainly excited about uh, Mountain West uh, alum uh, Josh Allen and what he was able to do for Buffalo. In fact, here was their final call after they beat Indianapolis and they were able to advance in the playoffs too. Waiting, waiting, going for all of it down the right sideline. The pass up in the air. It is yeah! knocked down incomplete. Knocked down incomplete. Micah Hyde knocks it down, and the clock shows zero. The Bills advance. The Bills win it. On that last play, Phillip Rivers, I mean, you got to know, he does not have that kind of an arm. He can't throw it more than 40 yards. And here he is trying to throw it like 55, 60 yards, and it was 10 yards short. Uh, but, you know, kudos to that uh, Bills defense. They were able to bow up when necessary. Uh, but probably a little bit closer game than it needed to be. But uh, we'll see what they can do um, uh, against the Ravens. That'll be a really good matchup. And what's interesting is that we got three games uh, with three quarterbacks all in the same year uh, from uh, in the NFL. Kind of interesting to see. I think what hasn't happened very often in NFL history with uh, those uh, that young of quarterback uh, at uh, leading their teams uh, all together in the playoffs. So uh, that's going to be a fun weekend in the NFL through the playoffs. And we'll have those games here on the fans starting on Saturday afternoon. And again, on Sunday, you can listen to them in their entirety here on the fan, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, and streaming online, 1069thefan.com, and on the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. It was really cool hearing those games. Great lineup of announcers that took care of us over the weekend, this last one, and uh, more great uh, uh, games coming up this weekend, and we'll have them here on The Fan. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, Utah Jazz also getting some nice victories on the road. Uh, over these last couple of games. But uh, doing them, boy, they still seem like they're on a teeter-totter on how they get through some of these games. They're hot, and then they're cold, and then doing enough to win against a not-very-good team. So we'll look back at the weekend that was for the Utah Jazz. We'll also look at the latest um, RPI rankings that have been released for high school basketball. All that's ahead coming up right here on the Full Court Press. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to Full Court Press. Eric Franson with you here on a Monday. Love to hear from you if you want to chime in. Weigh in on uh, what you think the score is going to be tonight for the College Football Championship, Alabama and Ohio State. 435-339-0321. Or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. And let me know what your score prediction is tonight. Um, Utah Jazz with a nice uh, couple of wins under their belt. A big-time victory over Milwaukee. And in doing so, the Utah Jazz set a franchise record for three-pointers made. And they – we look, this is a team that uh, we saw against Portland early in the year kind of uh, threaten that um, – well, the first game, actually, the opener, threatened that, uh, that record. Then they looked good again shooting the three at San Antonio. 
but they were definitely on in their matchup against the Bucks, and in doing so, set a new record. And here's how it sounded when our friend David Locke called uh, one plus the record. And in fact, that wasn't the way it ended. They added one more after this. But here was a call, Utah Jazz, with a uh, wide victory over the Milwaukee Bucks. Loose ball, Donovan has it, steps by DiVincenzo into the front court, finds Conley, left corner three, add another onto the franchise record threes in a night. The Jazz lead at 122-102. They've hit 24 threes in 49 attempts. And they ended up with 25 total made three-point shots, and uh, a, a lot of guys who uh, who participated, who put up threes, made them. Uh, Royce O'Neal made six. Great to see his outside shot starting to fall. Boyan was four of ten. He put up a lot of threes, uh, but he made four of them. Mike Connolly had five. Donovan Mitchell made four. Uh, George Yang made one off the bench. Jordan Clarkson made five. So 25 of 53 overall, 47% from three for the Jazz in their blowout victory on the road at Milwaukee. Uh, Royce O'Neal finished with 18 points. Boyan with 20. uh, Donovan Mitchell had 32. He's been scoring really well lately. Uh, Jordan Clarkson continues to be impressive off the bench with 26. Uh, Rudy uh, Gobert, well, kind of a quiet night offensively with only nine points. He did have 14 rebounds and four blocks. Uh, So uh, Donovan Mitchell kind of stepping up his offensive performance and and trying to help his team be a little more consistent offensively. Uh, Certainly we were paying attention to see if uh, if it was going to be a blowout or a game that Pat Connaughton wasn't available, if Sam Merrill would be able to go. We do... Uh, know that he had an ankle injury, and so we were concerned that he may not get in or may not play much, and he didn't play much. only played in the last minute, uh, missed a shot, and but was able to go to the free throw line and make his two free throws, uh, did have an assist. But uh, certainly the only thing that apparently the Desert News cares to talk about is one of the last plays, Boyan Bogdanovich cut to the hoop and threw it down for a dunk. Sam Merrill came over to try to help and happened to be the wrong place at the wrong time. So that's the headline. Sam Merrill gets dunked on by the Utah Jazz. But okay, whatever. But uh, still, nonetheless, a nice win by the Jazz on the road against Milwaukee. Certainly regarded as uh, one of the top teams in the NBA. But then Sunday afternoon, the Jazz, they jump out to a nice big lead over Detroit. And it looks like, okay, this team's... In a groove here, they're trying to, you know, they're on a nice path. It's kind of a close game early in the first half, and then the Jazz defense just shut Detroit down. They weren't able to do anything for, gosh, almost five minutes in that first quarter. And the Jazz built this nice lead. They're up by 20 in the first quarter um, and uh, have a nice lead at halftime as well, up by 17. Uh, But Detroit starts to chip away at it. And uh, they get the game pretty close, um, and, uh, but the Jazz are able to hang on and, and and to close it out. They don't fold, unlike what they did in New York, after having a nice lead and letting the momentum completely slip away from them. So I think they've learned some lessons uh, here. Certainly you'd want to be able to beat a team like uh, Detroit by a wider margin, if you could. Uh, Detroit's only 2-8 and eight on the year, um, but... Uh, I think that the Jazz were at, at risk of falling into the same habits that that uh, caused their loss in in New York, 
with the way that second half was going, uh, but making a few adjustments and, and uh, tightening things up defensively, but also putting the, their opponent in a big hole and still uh, competing to keep them there for a longer period of time. So, yes, this team still has some things to work on, but uh, certainly it was fun to see how they're able to take care of business there with those two games. Uh, they will have uh, two more games here on this East Coast road trip tomorrow and on Wednesday. Now, tomorrow, Skyview Basketball has a game uh, at Century Idaho, but um, we're not able to, uh, to to carry that game. So we will have the Jazz game tomorrow here on the fan when they play at Cleveland. And then when they play Wednesday, uh, when they are... Um, <laughs> I just had it. Now I just lost it. Their game on Wednesday will be uh, at uh, Washington against the Wizards. So we'll have both of those games, Tuesday and Wednesday. and That'll cut into our show a little bit um, Wednesday afternoon. But the uh, Jazz are currently 6-4, and four, uh, winning you know two in a row, looking a little bit better here. And the ESPN Power Rankings, they've got the Jazz still uh, ranked pretty high at number 9. Um, but this team has some things to work on still about being more consistent. Uh, they just got blown out against Brooklyn. They just didn't look prepared for that game, had their lead, let it slip away, could not stop the the Knicks' momentum, let uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, the Knicks get hot at the end, and uh, Austin Rivers just couldn't miss. There in that fourth quarter, Jazz weren't able to do anything to get him off track. But then they bounce back and have a huge victory at uh, Milwaukee and then a nice win on the road at, uh, at Detroit. So tomorrow at uh, 5.30 is when it tips off. They're at Cleveland and then a uh, similar tip off tip time when they are at uh, Washington. Both of those teams kind of struggling right now. Um, Cleveland started out uh, pretty, uh, pretty hot, actually one of the hotter teams in the NBA to get things started, but since have cooled off a little bit. Uh, Cleveland is five and, f- and five right now. Washington, they're two and eight. Uh, so maybe a little bit tougher, t- a stiffer challenge uh, tomorrow for the Jazz, and then on Wednesday the Wizards um, can be tough. But you know, if you got uh, Russell Westbrook and uh, um, and Bradley Beal playing well, um, uh, could be tough. Uh, I, although, just looking at this, uh, uh, getting an update here earlier today, it looks like Westbrook, he's going to be sidelined for about a week. He's got a left quad injury, so tough news for, for Washington. And that's probably you know, good news for the Jazz. They struggle trying to contain him uh, a little bit. So that's the latest with the Utah Jazz as uh, two wins back-to-back that uh, came after two losses back-to-back. Two more games here on the East Coast before they uh, come back home and to, to face Atlanta uh, later on this week. So uh, the Utah Jazz kind of up and down a little bit. Uh, we'll see how they look here in these two games. Uh, actually, sorry, the uh, Washington game tips off at 5, not at 5.30. So the Cleveland game is at 5.30 on Tuesday and Washington at 5 before they return home to face Atlanta at 7. Uh, by the way, got a text message in, 5763, with a prediction for tonight's college football playoff championship. Ohio State 34, Alabama 31. 5763, a lot of optimism for the Buckeyes there, especially if they've got some key guys out because of COVID. 
but um, but if that's the case, I'll be happy. I, I think Alabama's going to win. Uh, it's hard for me to be really actively rooting for one team or another because they both represent the, the top level of Power 5 conferences uh, and, and Power 5 programs. But um, uh, I like your optimism. I don't know if I can agree with it. Uh, I think Alabama just has too much too much firepower offensively and defensively for Ohio State to, uh, to hang with them too much. Uh, all right, we're going to step aside here in the full court press. Let's get an update from the Mountain West on the other games that have taken place in, in conference basketball. We'll update you on the current standings and what happened throughout the Mountain West. And speaking of standings, what are the current RPI rankings in high school basketball? We have the NCAA net rankings that came out and are updated every day, but I like to look at them uh, in, uh, on a Monday that more strongly reflect where things were from the past week. But uh, the RPI rankings for high school are released only once a week, and those come out today. So they came out earlier today. We'll update you on those current standings in uh, Region 11 for both the boys and the girls. Coming up next here on the Full Court Press. This is your Mountain West basketball update with Nate Crickman. Nevada and San Diego stayed in a tight one Saturday night. Aztecs up three. Nevada ball in the waning seconds. And a lot happened. Here's John Ramey, the voice of the Wolfpack, on the call. Sherfield, crossover, thinking about a step back. Game clock down to six now. Sherfield a tie. He got it! Sherfield got the three right of center. Four and six, ten seconds remaining. 67-67. Pulling him into the offense with one second. He goes all the way on the floor with the buzzer. Wins it for the Aztecs! Pulliam wins it at the buzzer. Audio courtesy of Learfield IMG College. A great finish for San Diego State. 69-67, the final at Viejas Arena on the Trey Pulliam game winner. Matt Mitchell with 20 to lead the Aztecs. They sweep Nevada in two games to go to 9-2 on the year. Also Saturday, Colorado State gets red hot from downtown to beat UNLV at Moby Arena. Couple dribbles back in his way down. Out to Tanjay. Open three. Yes, sir! A big one from John Tongjay. Brian Roth from Learfield IMG College Rams hit a season-high 16 three-pointers on their way to an 83-80 win to take back-to-back victories over the Rebels. Isaiah Stevens hit six of those triples to finish with 22 points. Sunday, Deion Stroud goes off, and Fresno State takes care of San Jose State to secure the sweep at the Save Mart Center. Hill, a pump fake from three, had Dalcourt blowing by. Now he leaves behind for Campbell, who penetrates the foul line, finds Stroud, open look, right wing three, buries <laughs> it again. Stroud. Ten first half points for Deion Stroud. Paul Leffler from Learfield IMG College, Fresno State wins at 80-65. Stroud, a career-high 22, Bulldogs have won three in a row. Boise State and Utah State sitting tied atop the conference standings at 6-0. Broncos in action Monday and Wednesday at Wyoming. And that's your Mountain West Basketball Update. I'm Nate Crackman. Eric Franson with you here on the Full Court Press. Hey, by the way, congratulations to Tony Jones. He's a friend of the program. Former beat writer for the Utah State Aggies. Uh, got transferred and started covering the Utes. From that, uh, got elevated to cover the Jazz. And uh, now writes for The Athletic. So, and covers the Utah Jazz. Does a great job. Recognized today as the Sports Writer of the Year for the state of Utah. So congratulations to Tony Jones. Nice recognition there. 
deserves it. We've certainly enjoyed his work reading it, and uh, he's always enjoyed having him on our program. So I've been gracious to do that. Um, uh, by the way, speaking of the NBA, uh, some updated COVID protocols. We'll get into some of those game uh, issues um, and uh, some of the changes going on in the NBA. Uh, but uh, want to continue to get your score predictions for tonight's college football championship game, Alabama versus Ohio State. Nine three one five texts in tonight's football game, forty five forty three. But you don't say who. Uh, you didn't mention which team. So uh, that's a very close game. Uh, the The line has now moved to nine and a half. It's aggressively going in Alabama's favor. Uh, once news has started to be breaking about uh, players not going to be available, Kirk Herbstreet saying significant players for Ohio State will not be available. So those with some uh, some skin in the game trying to push it more towards the uh, uh, the, the Crimson Tide. So we'll see what happens. If, if Ohio State can still keep it close and, and make a game of it, uh, or if it's going to be too much Alabama and they run away. I think that uh, they can make it close, but in the end, it'll be too much Alabama. So I think my, my prediction is 42-31 for, uh, for Alabama and the SEC. Uh, but again, that's at 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN. Um, with the NBA, uh, by the way, there are some updated COVID protocols that are being talked about. Uh, we do have a postponed game tonight. Pelicans were supposed to be at the Mavericks. The game's been postponed. We haven't seen a lot of games postponed in the NBA, uh, to at least not to my knowledge that I'm really aware of. Uh, there was a Miami Heat Boston Celtics game that got postponed yesterday. Uh, you have to have a certain number of players available to play, and that may be part of why we're seeing so many lopsided games. There've been a lot of blowouts. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, looking at some of the uh, according to ESPN stats. Uh, more than 10% of all NBA games have been decided by 20 points or more. That would be the highest mark in league history. Now, it might even out as the season continues on, but through the early part of the season, um, yeah, it's a, that, that's a lot of blowouts in the NBA. Uh, you don't have your best players there or even part of your players out because of covid that affects your rotations. That affects a lot of things. And um, the, you have to have at least eight players available, if I'm not mistaken, uh, active to go. Um, a lot of players have, have had COVID over the last year, apparently. It's kept it pretty quiet. Um, but uh, still, it's, it could be affecting games a little bit. Brian Windhorst actually saying that the NBA is uh, changing a few things with uh, – with their COVID protocols and, and really trying to get players to change their their behavior off the court as well. There are hundreds of players in this league who have had COVID over the last nine or 10 months. Uh, there are certain teams that have had double digits. I've heard at least one team thinks its entire roster uh, has the antibodies. But um, that does not necessarily mean, as we saw with Kevin Durant, who has admitted he had COVID in the past, that you can't uh, be put into contact tracing. And so players may be instructed to change their behavior off the court, away from team facilities, even if they're operating under the belief 
that they have some protection with COVID, and that's going to be a hard sell as well. Uh, they are changing some things with uh, shoot-arounds before, uh, before game time and trying to make a few minor adjustments that most fans wouldn't really recognize. But um, we'll, we'll see if things can even out a, a, a little bit um, and be more consistent with some of these, these games. Uh, some a lot of inconsistency here, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we're crossing our fingers that the season continues and doesn't have too much disruption. There are going to be games that that do get postponed or have to get rescheduled, and that's why the NBA only released their first half of the regular season. They've only released their schedule through the end of February, and uh, that's what they will reevaluate. And that's their All Star Week, All Star Weekend. And then provide a time and opportunity for makeup games to take place before they they schedule out the rest of the year, and uh, with hopes that uh, there aren't too many disruptions. So well, we'll see how well they do. Jazz uh, are going to be playing tomorrow, as we mentioned. They will be at uh, in Cleveland at five thirty, and then at Washington um, the on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, nine, five seven six three. Text in. I should clarify that this is the score I hope for, but uh, so much the score I predict. Not so much the score I predict. Uh, Ohio State 34, Alabama 31 is uh, <laughs> was the prediction from 5763. So uh, the hope, the, the score that's hoped for, but not so much the one that is predicted. So uh, okay, I could I could feel you there. Uh, don't know that I've got uh, that much hope or that much confidence in Ohio State. Uh, if you want to weigh in, if you want to give me your score prediction for tonight in the college football championship game, Alabama versus Ohio State, 435-339-0321, or message us directly through the uh, 106.9 The Fan uh, mobile app. Um, but uh, anyway, there is a game tonight in the NBA that uh, is being postponed. It's a game uh, in Dallas between the Pelicans and the Mavericks. Uh, we know that there's been there was a game last night that got postponed uh, with the Celtics. Uh, their game tomorrow has also been postponed against the Bulls, so a bit of an issue within the Boston uh, program. But uh, uh, these most of these other games are able to still uh, take place, and uh, that that's going to happen. We know we knew it was going to happen, but uh, the NBA is still trying to make it so that these games do get played and uh, take place so that we can keep the season on track and still be able to play it through and have opportunities to make up games a little bit later on in the year before announcing a full full slate of games and their full schedule. All right, take a quick timeout here on the Full Court Press. When we come back, let's get into the RPI rankings this week that were released for Region 11 and throughout all of 4A for both the boys' and girls' basketball. Girls' basketball in Region 11 – Looking very good, very solid. Uh, boys, it's kind of all over the place, but there's a new team on top of Region 11. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Full Court Press. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. The uh, NCAA net rankings were, uh, well, they're updated every day, frankly, because games are happening most every day. 
in college basketball with the way schedules are, games on Saturdays, Sundays, there's games going on tonight. But uh, Utah State is moving up in these net rankings. They've they've moved up a lot since these rankings were first released for the season. Uh, Utah State uh, opened in like 85 or 87, if I remember correctly. Now they're up to 62. So that's really good movement by the Aggies after six blowout victories in Mountain West Conference play. Um, in the high school basketball RPI rankings, it, there's been some movement there as well. For the girls' basketball, it's Region 11 is bunched together and is up very high uh, in, the, in 4A throughout the state. The number one and number two teams are still the same, Pine View and Desert Hills. But after that, it's a bunch of Region 11. Uh, Ridgeline comes in at number three. Green Canyon at number four. Skyview at number five. Logan at number six. Then you squeeze in Juan Diego in there at number seven, followed by Mountain Crest at eight and Bear River at nine. So all Region 11 girls basketball teams are in the top ten. Very impressive. Uh, you want to stay in the top ten for playoff purposes, but um, it's a really good showing by Region 11 right now and how the quality of girls basketball is being reflected in northern Utah. So good good basketball being played by the ladies and looking really solid so far uh, in the early part of the year. Uh, Ridgeline 7-4 and four overall. Green Canyon and Skyview are 8-2. and two. Logan is 6-3. and three. Followed by Mountain Crest at five and six, and Bear River at five and seven. Uh, and for the boys, some some movement there. Skyview opened up the RPI, RPI rankings at the, as the number five team in the state. Uh, they've slipped a little bit, and they've been replaced as the top team in Region Eleven. Now it's Logan as the highest ranked Region Eleven team. The Grizzlies are six and or excuse me, eight and two overall, and the number sixteen uh, six team overall in the rankings that were released and updated today. Um, and uh, Skyview comes in at number eight. They're six and three overall. Green Canyon at number nine. They're six and five. Bear River is 13th. They're at seven and four uh, with their record. Uh, Ridgeline is 14th. They're five and seven. And then Mountain Crest is at 20. Uh, their rank, their uh, record currently two and six. So pretty big disparity there through uh, Region 11 boys basketball. Uh, some of these teams, they won't play anybody until region play begins on Friday. However, Green Canyon has a game tonight. Uh, they play Minico in North Logan. And uh, Craig Hislop will be on the call on 100.9 FM. That starts at uh, 7 o'clock. And Mountain Crest plays tomorrow. They host Preston and that game will be in Hiram. A.J. Knight will be on the call. That will be on 107.7 FM if you want to tune in to watch that or to listen to that one. And then region play for the girls gets underway on Thursday and for the boys on Friday. So a very busy uh, tail end of the week for these high school basketball teams as they get into region play. Uh, Skyview will be hosting Bear River, Green Canyon hosting Ridgeline, Mountain Crest hosting Logan. For girls basketball, for the boys, it'll be Skyview at Bear River, Green Canyon at Ridgeline, and Mountain Crest at Logan. So uh, that's the the way that the region standings are right now and the way things look for both the boys and uh, the girls. Uh, 9315 texts in, how much will it change for USU basketball if they win this week? Uh, I'm assuming you're referring to the net rankings. Um, Utah State, if they win this week, 
if they beat San Diego State in both of their games, you, you can absolutely expect that they will jump in the net rankings. San Diego State currently ranked 34, so that would be a quad one win for Utah State. They do not have a quad one win on their resume. That may be certainly one of the things that's holding them back a little bit. They're 0-1 against Quadrant 1 teams, 0-2 against Quad 2 teams. Uh, their schedule over the next few weeks is going to will be featuring more of these uh, higher-ranked teams. So really big for Utah State to get some victories in, in these uh, higher quadrants against San Diego State, Colorado State, Boise State. Um, the uh, committee is going to look at how well did you do against Quad 1 teams? How well did you perform against teams that were had good schedules and played good competition. They want to know how well you did. So if Utah State is able to beat San Diego State, uh, certainly if they can beat them twice and sweep them, look for another big jump by the Aggies. If they split, I think they'll still move up because you, A, played a tough team, and B, you beat a tough team. So you you they'll get helped just by playing San Diego State. Surely don't want to get blown out by the Aztecs. But just by playing San Diego State, it helps your rankings. So uh, that's just the way that these rankings work. They want to know that you played good teams, and certainly if you could beat uh, good teams, that uh, bodes well for your resume. Uh, so um, I, I, it's a big week for Utah State for sure and how well they do against the Aztecs. Uh, they've... They've had to struggle. We heard uh, during the uh, update, Nevada had them on the ropes. Came down to the last second shot for them to beat Nevada. Um, they struggled against Colorado State. They lost to the Rams. Um, so uh, we we know that uh, top half of the conference is tough. It's good basketball being played there. So Utah State has benefited from playing the bottom tier uh, of the conference and looked good doing it. Uh, but now they really start to get tested. So uh, they were able to fine-tune some things, get some rhythm, get some momentum as they come into the rest of conference play where they get into the teeth of the Mountain West Conference over these next couple of weeks. So big opportunities for the Aggies to move up in the net rankings, to earn some more recognition, and to improve their standing as a potential at-large team, if not uh, certainly improve that with how well they perform uh, this week against a very highly regarded name recognition team in San Diego State. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight here in the Full Court Press. Uh, reminder, the College Football Championship game coming up at uh, 6 o'clock. Uh, and uh, by a lot of accounts, Alabama should win that one. The Vegas line keeps moving in Alabama's direction after uh, we hear about uh, certain Ohio State players who may not be available to go. We'll find out here within the next 10 minutes or so exactly who is and who isn't available for the Buckeyes Tomorrow, we'll recap what happened there. We'll also share our, the stat that blew our minds, our player of the week, and uh, get into a little bit more about Utah State and uh, the season, uh, the, the Mountain West conference schedule that they've had. We've got an interview lined up with Craig Smith, and we're going to be talking to the new head coach for the Mountain Crest Mustangs. They've got a new football coach. He's not from around here, and we'll find out uh, what it was that attracted him to apply for the job in Hiram. So we'll have that conversation with Coach Kearns coming up uh, tomorrow as well. So stick around. It's going to be a shortened show to some degree, but we're going to pack it full of some really good stuff with Craig Smith and Coach Kearns. Have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.